Good afternoon. My name is Anthony Martella. I'm a third-year resident at the University of Cincinnati. So the article I chose um, was uh, entitled CO2 measured at emergency department triage outperforms standard triage vital signs in predicting in-hospital mortality and intensive care unit admission. Um, the methods of the study, it was a prospective study that actually enrolled all adult patients uh, over 18 years that presented to the emergency department at a uh, level one trauma center in Orlando, Florida over the course of 30 months. Um, they had standard vital signs measured in addition to end title, and we will talk in detail about that. The specific outcomes that they looked at included in-hospital mortality, that was their primary outcome, and secondary outcomes included, again, ICU admissions, and also the correlation of end-tidal CO2 with lactate, bicarb, um, and anion gap. The results, um, overall, end-tidal CO2 was a better predictor of in-hospital mortality and ICU admission than the standard vital signs at triage. In addition, end-tidal CO2 correlated significantly with measures of metabolic acidosis. And again, we'll kind of go over that in a little more detail. I chose this article, um, given our current situation uh, in emergency medicine, as boarding continues to be an issue, our care responsibility has shifted to the lobby in a lot more tangible way. There are sicker patients that are waiting on the lobby a lot longer, sometimes for hours, going unattended, and this increases their chance of... Um, of poor outcomes and um, unintended consequences. So I think this has led nationwide to an uptick in overhauls involving kind of the front end process um, of emergency departments, particularly in triage, and the time a patient walks in to the time a patient actually has a physician lay eyes on them. Uh, as this trend continues, I expect to see more literature looking at ways we can identify sick patients earlier in their ED encounter. And so that's why I like this paper, because it focuses on something that can be um, easily replicated and non-invasive when to include in addition when you're triaging a patient. This study certainly has flaws, which we will talk about, but it's a good example of how ED physicians are getting creative and trying to identify, treat, and dispo sick patients from the lobby. Um, so we'll kind of dive a little bit further into the methods as talked about. This was a prospective observational study, so it did involve convenience sampling particularly because enrollment was dependent on times and days when study investigators were present to actually record the end-tidal CO2. This did include days, evenings, and nights, but nonetheless, it still is a convenient sample given the um, reliance on investigators being present. It was, as mentioned, conducted at a level one trauma center in Orlando. With an annu uh, the ED had an annual volume over 100,000 patient visits. The inclusion criteria was pretty robust. It was essentially any adult patient over 18 years old who presented to ED through either lobby triage or EMS. They included those with an ESI between two and four. They excluded those with an ESI one or an ESI of five. They also excluded those that just simply did not consent to have their end title measured. Um, these patients were recorded between February of 2016 and August of 2018. So I think Somewhat important is this was before the COVID pandemic. The protocol was, again, pretty simple. Investigators included a team of medical students, emergency medicine residents, and physicians that received a one-hour educational session on acquiring the data. The first and senior authors would then review the data um, and make sure that it was recorded appropriately. Um, they included standard triage vital signs uh, that were obtained, and then the investigator actually measured the entitled CO2. They used the value of the end-tidal CO2 recorded in the eighth breath. 
So they waited a few breaths, and then the one measured on the eighth breath, breath is the one that was included in the study. If the end tidal CO2 had already been recorded by the triage nurse or EMS, they actually used that value. So again, something easily replicated, but not to be ignored. They did have an hour-long training session for the investigators, but they also defaulted to a value that had already been recorded by triage nurses or EMS if they kind of jumped the gun. Um, they all use the same nasal cannula, so I think that's important as well. They included the same product and distributed it to the local EMS as well as the lobby. Treating physicians were blinded to the end title levels obtained directly by the research team. Or they looked at in-hospital mortality. If you were discharged from the ED, you were actually counted as having survived. So that's an important caveat that we'll talk about. Um, and then again, secondary outcomes included ICU admission in correlation to lactate, bicarbon, anion gap. Um, so the results were as followed, about 1,136 patients were enrolled. They used about 1,091 because uh, only 1,091 of that sample had both end tidal CO2 and outcome data available. The mean age of patients overall were 56 years old and about 53% were male. The age of survivors were significantly younger. Uh, people who survived had a mean age of 55 versus uh, those who did not survive had a mean age of 68. Um, survivors also had a higher proportion of normal mental status. 88% of survivors had a normal mental status versus 35% who did not. They did not explicitly uh, define what a normal mental status was in their study. The mean level of end title in all patients was 34. Uh, the mean level in survivors was 34, but the mean level in non-survivors was 22. Overall, there was about 26 deaths. And they found that the area under the curve per predicting in-hospital mortality for end-tidal CO2 was the best at 0.82. Um, coming close in second was systolic blood pressure of 0.77 and uh, pulse or heart rate of 0.76. The remainder were lower. Um, and that held true as well for admissions to the ICU. So about 64 patients were admitted to the ICU. End-tidal had an area under the curve of 0.75. Uh, heart rate was second with 0.66. And then Systolic blood pressure was right behind at 0.64. So overall, it outperformed these individual triage vital signs. No surprise to anyone given physiology, and tidal CO2 did significantly correlate with lactate bicarbon anion gap. So as far as discussion goes, I think it's a good paper, as mentioned before, on why I chose it given the current climate and sort of the ease of use of end tidal, the non-invasiveness and the easy replication. I think the uh, the objective measurement does not vary from provider to provider as much, although this study does have flaws. Um, one of the flaws that that, um, that we were talking about in Journal Club was the fact that it compared end-tidal CO2 to individual vital signs, but not vital signs as a whole. So are we really seeing a huge addition in obtaining end-tidal CO2 when you're considering comparing it to the whole triage uh, vital signs, the whole set. It, are you going to see as big of a improvement in predicting sick patients earlier? Additionally, this used convenient sampling, and so that limits the study to a degree. It is a prospective observational study, and I think the addition, the primary outcome is a little bit nebulous as well because they chose in-hospital mortality, and you were counted as surviving your hospital stay if you were discharged from the ED. They did not look at patients who may have been discharged from the ED and presented elsewhere and then subsequently had a complicated course and, and end up 
potentially dying. And so um, I think the numbers can be skewed in that way a little bit, which is what we were talking about. The one pearl that I think is important in the study is that untitled CO2 may serve as a replica or a replacement for respiratory rates. We all know that respiratory rate is the, probably the most inaccurate vital sign obtained during triage. Oftentimes you'll see a respiratory rate of 16 in most patients. Untitled may provide a more accurate way of obtaining respiratory rate, and that can add into your constellation of standard vital signs. I think ultimately with cost and the outcome of the study, just focusing on hospital mortality, I don't think it's something that is ready to implement thus far, but I think that they may be onto something at least to re- uh, to replace respiratory rate. Uh, one of the things that we talked about was the concern of cost utilizing all of the nasal cannula for entitled CO2. Although if you could drive down the cost and think about it, we often use disposable pulse oxes. And so that can be a consideration as well. There's no doubt that in our current environment, we're going to need to start looking at a way to identify sick patients earlier, whether that just simply be laying eyes on them with a pit model and physician in, uh, in triage or using additional physiological measurements to identify patients who are sicker. The last part I'll say is it's interesting that end title, it's, it's almost like a spectrum and used, I think, more often in the OR and in the ICU as a trend. So a singular data point in end title may limit its utility. You can make the same argument for blood pressure. Um, it would be interesting to see at what point in time, how early in a course of disease that you start to fall off the curve of end title. Because someone who has lower end title you would assume someone with an end title of 22, which was the mean uh, score of non-survivors, you would probably see significant amount of tachypnea. Um, would it be a little bit more obvious that they're sick and you do not need that objective measurement? Um, so overall, I think an interesting article sparking a lot of debate on how to identify these patients. I think that there exists a robust need for further studies focusing on how it can be best utilized in, in the lobby, but overall, something good to ponder and consider in our current environment.